God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio. Welcome, welcome to another episode of By Design. Will and Miki here. And just to remind you, By Design's mission is to educate and encourage people to embrace God's design for marriage and family as the fundamental building block for all human civilization and to celebrate the union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. That's right. One man, one woman for life. And this is God's design. It uh, reveals to us his infinite wisdom. That's right. And uh, I would just say that for us, for the two of us, we are um, blessed to be on the receiving end of that wisdom. Amen. Because we, you really come to understand, like as you're married and you're growing in your relationship, uh, your marital relationship, also growing in your relationship with the Lord, mm. you begin to see more and more the wisdom of God yes. that is revealed in this unit yes. Um, yes. that, you know, is marriage. And, yeah. and it's only described... Um, by God, only defined by God as one man and one woman. Yes. And of course, as a result of sin and the fall, mm. we've had all sorts of challenges yeah. to this institution. Right. But the foundation of it and the description of it, um, the Lord God sealed himself mm. in his word. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you and, and we know this um, by knowing, mm. but I think our experiences don't often reveal to us the truth and how profound this truth is that when you look at marriage, it's not just about a man and a woman coming mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. but this is something that is hidden in the Old Testament mm. and revealed in the New Testament to be a picture of Christ in the Amen. church. Amen. So you can see how this would have been marred in the Old Testament. I think sometimes um, people go back to the Old Testament. And they're looking for those inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, look, I think it was Lamech who had two wives, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are like, well, wait, look. And then <laughs> they they will say, well, look at Abraham. And he had, you know, yeah. Sarah. And then he had, you know, his his slave, his maidservant or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and they will say, look, you can do this. And I think that's where we get into trouble because you have to say, okay, where the Bible is prescriptive, mm-hmm. we take it and do it. Right. When the Bible is descriptive, Mm -hmm. there may be things that we take and apply, but we have to know when the Bible is describing something that God does not intend for us to do. That's right. I mean, frankly, sometimes the things are things that we should avoid and avoid at all costs and not say, well, because God was faithful and merciful Mm. to people who got out of line then that Mm. he's going to be merciful and faithful and and excuse the expression because God is faithful. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes we presume on the mercy of God and the faithfulness of God that he will just overlook our rebellion. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And, you know, just thinking about God's design. Man, you sure do, uh, you sure do see the wisdom of God in that. You know, I was talking to someone, uh, a friend of mine, and he was saying how uh, when his when he was growing up, you know, he had his father in his home, and he had no worries. He felt secure. Yeah. Yep. You know, he felt taken care of. There was, you know, he knew there was going to be breakfast on the table. Mm. Like he wasn't afraid of storms. He wasn't afraid of of anything. But just because his father was present. And that's the that's that's part of the wisdom of God. Amen. That there would be a man and a wife, you know, um, a husband and a wife. Yeah. And and when those things are are not there, you see, man, there's there's a difference. There's a there's a uh, a lack 
yeah. that's there and not that that can't be overcome through the power of God. Like God, you know, saves. But at the same time, when we get away from his design, yep. you know, like this is what we get. We yeah. get fallen man. Like, you know, we get the results of going away from his design. And even the insecurity that you're describing, like yeah. the insecurity of not knowing, you know, whether or not there will be food on the table right. or how much food there will be on the table, right. whether or not all of the utilities uh, will right. be covered that right. month. I mean, these are things that when when God's design yeah. is marred or yeah. there's a breakdown, we suffer the consequences. Right. And then we live in a society where man often tries to mitigate mm. um, the result of rebellion against God. Right. So we live in a society where we try to put all of these things in place so that mm. we don't have to feel the weight of what it is to reject mm. God's standard. Yeah. Um, but the consequences remain. You still yeah. find that in a fatherless situation, mm-hmm. you still have increased poverty. It doesn't matter how you try to mitigate that. Right. Removing that component that God, by his wisdom, installed uh yields for us dire consequences dire results right and even uh another part of that wisdom which my friend was communicating to me (laughs) was that so when we look at our father god we can be secure when when you've had that experience of having a father and 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 the things that he was he was saying like he had no fear of this and that well when we uh are in relationship with father god we can rest in him we can rest that man he's going to take care of this and take care of that that he is you know uh uh watching over us Mm -hmm. and that he's providing for us you know and so Another thing, when we don't have that relationship in a home, it makes it harder to accept Father God as being a father because we haven't seen or known even God's representation of having a a husband and a wife or a father in the home. So it it does something to us, you know, that we have a lack there. Yes. You know, and think about think about how God is going to use that relationship to reveal himself to us mm-hmm. and to invite us into his family through Jesus Christ. Amen. So so the first um, presentation that we get of the gospel is the family unit. Yeah. Like, think about this, right? Like, <laughs> for us to even understand God as Father, God yeah. as Abba, like that by the Holy Spirit, we now can say Abba, Father. Like, mm. we can cry out to him not as um, our distant creator who once upon a time made man and Mm. then retreated from them. But no, Mm. he is near to us, right? Mm. But think about how that gets messed up. So our very first presentation of the gospel can be jeopardized Mm -hmm. by the the structure or the lack thereof of the structure Mm -hmm. of the family. And so that's kind of what we want to get into talking about Mm -hmm. today, how the gospel proliferates through the family Mm. and the first introduction, the first presentation of this gospel message, right? That we can be redeemed, that we can be restored Mm -hmm. to relationship with God as our father, Mm. man, our first illustration of this, our first example of this is the father in the home and it's a healthy relationship that kids get to see. Mm. So I was thinking about the scriptures and and we kind of unpack these and talk around a little bit, but I was thinking about the scriptures um, in Malachi where the prophet Malachi is really chastising um, the people of Israel. And in particular, he's actually chastising the religious leaders. He's chastising 
um, the the priests, mm-hmm. if you will, yeah. um, for the ways that they have rebelled against God. You right. know, they've accepted a bribe. They've withheld offerings from the Lord, like they've mm-hmm. taken, but they've not given and offered unto the Lord. And um, they've also put their wives away. So they are seeking to divorce their wives, like mm. to put their wives aside. And it's really interesting that the prophet Malachi um, in exploring this with them or rebuking them, if we can just say it strongly, <laughs> actually reveals to us. And man, this is why you can never like separate the testaments. Like we need all of the book, right? Yeah. We need all of the word of God. Malachi reveals God's wisdom and his purpose for marriage and offspring. And even the language that points to the two becoming one flesh, uh, Malachi gives us a peek into God's mind, Mm. God's heart, Mm. or his reason for this. And I think it's really interesting. So this is in Malachi chapter two. Um, I'm going to start, I'm going to start with verse 14. Well, actually, no, I, I, you know, I'm such a stickler for context, right? Like I, <laughs> well, I always, thing. I know, I feel like yeah. if you start at certain places, people don't really get to get the full context, which right. getting the full context means reading the entire book. But <laughs> um, in the interest of time, I'm going to start at verse 13. So this is Malachi chapter two, verse 13. And the prophet says, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, Why does he not? Because the Lord has witnessed between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Verse Mm. 15. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? Mm. And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. Mm. So God guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. And so one of the things that really grabs me about this is that Malachi is revealing to the people of God, God's plan for this one flesh union. It's not, it's not just um, an emotional attachment. It's not just um, a chemical bond, which Mm -hmm. we know now the science reveals to us that there is all of that. Right. Right. But that God is doing something spiritually in families. He's doing something spiritually between a husband and a wife. He's making them one flesh and putting a measure of his spirit in that union so that the offspring will be godly. Yeah, yeah. This gives a whole new insight into God's prohibition um, with regard to intermarriage mm-hmm. among <clears throat> among the Israelites. Mm-hmm. When they were to go into these lands, they were not to intermarry. They were not to break up this unit mm. that God had designed because he was preserving a people for himself. Yeah. And even today, this is vital in the context mm. of our marital relationships that we not only preserve our union mm. because we're just trying to white knuckle it, you know, it's culturally acceptable um, to have an intact family because now we see that that has kind of gone by the wayside. Like now you, it's not, it doesn't matter. You can have all quote unquote types of families right. and that's normal. <laughs> right. But for the people of God, we understand that we're preserving our marriage one, because it is God's commandment to us, mm-hmm. but two, he has a design and he has a purpose for this union that has in full view the proliferation of the gospel mm. here in Malachi referred to as godly offspring in the new Testament. We understand that the gospel will come to families. Yeah. So like if you fast forward and you look at um, the day of Pentecost, yeah. here you have the apostle Peter mm-hmm. giving his first sermon and who's included in that children. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all those that would bleed from afar. And so, yeah, I think even in this scripture in Malachi, you see, 
outside of the norm, normally like uh, quoted scriptures, mm-hmm. God's heart about marriage, that it's a covenant and that why God hates divorce. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a lot. I mean, even to the language of uh, uh, a portion of the spirit being so, wow. man, so when that's broken, yeah, that covenant. Man, you know, that's a big deal. And and that's something that, you know, it's not easy to talk about uh, today, but Mm -hmm. it's all through scripture that man, God has esteemed the marital bond, you know, the covenant Mm -hmm. that has been created there. And so uh, we shouldn't trash it. No. But also to what your point, too, about raising up a godly offspring. Like, I think that has to be something as Christians that we have to have in the forefront of our mind as we are uh, Raising our children, yes, you know that man. This is not to uh, for them to just you know be able to get it on in the world and, right. and to succeed in you know worldly things. Like we're building and uh, um, discipling uh, so that we can have godly offspring, yeah, to 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 give unto the Lord, you know. And, and that's something that's kind of been lost in our marriages. Like that that has taken a backseat to all kinds of other achievements mm. or attainment. In, in, in our culture. Like, I think if you really take, you know, kind of if we're willing to be honest, mm-hmm. we have not seen the family as the chief or first or primary place in which the gospel proliferates. Mm. Unfortunately, we have thought, well, that's got to be the church building, right? Mm. Like right, we right. have totally removed the family from sort of the prominence of proliferating the gospel. Wow. We've made that the role of the pastor or the teacher or the bishop or the overseer, whoever mm. we've made it that person's role. And then we've put it in a context of, okay, it's, it's when we gather, mm-hmm. that's where the gospel mm-hmm. proliferates. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the scriptures, if you fast forward to a new Testament context, mm-hmm. that's not what you saw. Yeah. So like go back to um, Acts chapter two, or moving from Malachi, go forward to Acts chapter two and look at the day of Pentecost, right? Where the Holy Spirit um, is dispatched to the church and the gospel immediately begins to spread. Um, Peter stands up and he gives this sermon and he's got to basically tell people, hey, okay, what you see happening here is not a matter of public drunkenness. Like people <laughs> right. are not inebriated. Like it's too early. It's 9 a.m. <laughs> um, so they, he, he's like, here's what's happening. Yeah. This is what God has promised. And there is an interesting um, sort of like, I, I don't know if you, summary of, of what, who this is for, mm-hmm. right? And maybe summary is not the right word, but in Acts chapter 2, um, verse 37, after Peter gives this lengthy sermon, mm-hmm. um, the people who are listening, they're like, okay, what must we do? Like, what is it that we need to do? And verse 38, the Bible reads, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Mm. Now, strangely enough, we're totally fine to receive the gospel. Mm-hmm. And actually, we're totally fine with the belief that those who are far off need to receive the gospel. Like yeah. we, we are always looking out for those people out there who need the gospel. Mm-hmm. But we neglect that middle piece, mm. that piece that says for your children. Yeah, which will produce Godly offspring. Yes. <laughs> which God wants. That's 
that's that's what he was seeking. <laughs> right. What was he seeking? Yeah. Godly offspring. Yeah. Yeah. And so in a New Testament context, mm-hmm. your kids receiving the gospel in the context of your family, mm. in the context of your home, was absolutely in the purview of God. Like this yeah. is what he expected and anticipated, which would be multiplication in the mm. kingdom. Like you think about this, like it's not just adding to the kingdom. It is multiplying the kingdom because you would presume that you've got large families. Mm-hmm. So you've got the gospel spreading inside those families. And then each member of that family is going out and mm. spreading the gospel. But first and foremost, in their families down mm. the line, this anticipates mm. that it's going to continue transgenerationally Mm -hmm. through families that the gospel is going to spread. Mm. And here's the thing that really kind of wows me. And I I want us to talk about this as you continue to read in the book of acts, the acts of the apostles, the acts of the Holy spirit. (laughs) Okay. What he is doing to advance the church. You see that God is serious. And, And why do I say that? It's like, we we as humans have to say that when we talk because our words can sometimes be so flimsy. <laughs> like, you have to, I'm serious, yeah. right? So I almost get the picture of when you see these things illustrated in the New Testament that God is saying, no, I'm serious. Right. Like, I, I really I, meant I mean what it. I said yeah. when I said it's to you and your children. Mm. Because what happens when you've got the first Gentile convert where we understand that the gospel has spread to all man, yes. like that it's not just for the Jews, right? Mm-hmm. Peter understands this. He's in Joppa. He's on a rooftop. <laughs> and then there's a vision that he has where he sees these unclean animals. And people will be familiar with this story. If you're not, I highly recommend that you go read it. Acts chapter 10. That's right. Um, and so what happens? And I would start in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10. And, and so then what happens? So Peter is informed that what God calls clean, don't call unclean. Right at the time that he hears this from the Lord, these men show up who've been sent from a man named Cornelius, Mm -hmm. who had previously been told that there's a man that you need to see, Mm. right? Like, basically, you found favor, okay? Mm -hmm. There's a man that you need to see. And long story shortened, but I I highly recommend people go and read the entirety of the text. Um, Peter comes to Cornelius's house. But it's so interesting to me that when when you read this, Cornelius has gathered his entire family and his friends too, and his friends, <laughs> everybody y'all need to hear this. It's amazing. <laughs> and so then and I'm just going to flip to it here because it's, it's really profound to understand what God does. And again, talking about in the context of the gospel proliferating through the family um, in Acts chapter 10, verse, verse uh, 44, mm-hmm. here you have Cornelius is there with his entire family and some friends. How serious did he take the promise of the Lord that this was important for people to hear? Not only is his whole family there, but he's told some friends, hey, y'all come too. Like you're going to want to hear this, right? Right. In verse 44 of chapter 10, the Bible says, while Peter was still saying these things. So basically, just to kind of summarize, Peter shares the gospel with them. Yeah. First, he reminds them that, you know, I really shouldn't be in your house. (laughs) All right. And I'm sure Cornelius is fully aware of this. He knew it. He bowed down. He was like, hey. You've come, but man, <laughs> yeah, he's like, like, get up. I'm just a man. Right. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and then he gives them the gospel. And then something amazing happens mm-hmm. in chapter 44. I'm sorry. In verse 44, the Bible says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the words, mm. all who heard the words and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter 
were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Now, think about that. This promise is for you, mm-hmm. it's for your children, yeah. and for those who are well, far, far off, off that the Lord your God will call. That's right. So Cornelius is there with his children. Yeah. His children have the opportunity to hear the gospel. His family mm. has the opportunity to hear the gospel, and they are saved as a result of this. So you think mm. about what God is showing how, and it's not, this is not to presume that just because kids grow up in a Christian home, right. that they are going to be saved. Right. No, but this presumes anticipates that the gospel is being shared in the context of the family. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just this sort of like um, laissez faire hands off approach to, well, I'm a Christian, so my kid's going to get it. no, right. It is the hearing of the gospel. Mm. It's the sharing of the gospel. Mm. It is the type of presentation of the gospel that you see back in Acts chapter two, where when they hear, they're like, what shall we do? Mm. What do we need to do? Wow. So you've got Cornelius here Mm -hmm. with all of his family. And the Bible says all who heard the word, the spirit fell on them. All who were there, who had the opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. But then the Bible doesn't stop there, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got the Philippian jailer. Yeah. And you see some of the same things happening. And I'm just, as you're, you're talking, I'm thinking like, man, what better way for the gospel to spread across our country, our, you know, world than through families and through, you know, families, um, uh, um, taking that gospel, sharing it with their children, being raised in an intentional way uh, to understand and to know who the Lord is and for those families to take, you know, those kids to take take it out. Yes. You know, so th- to me, this is saying that we should have families, you know, that we should be intentional we shouldn't shy away from having big families. Yes. Because right. those are not those are other opportunities that the gospel can spread in even a greater Multiplication. way. Multiplication. Yeah. Multiplication. I, I I really do hope that um through our six children, that we are, by God's grace, looking at six different units mm-hmm. in the making where the gospel will proliferate and, and who knows you know, how many children they could potentially have. I yeah. Mean, but, it's, but it's you like think that should about be a that. goal. That should be yeah. uh, something we aim, aim for. Like, <laughs> man, our family spreads the gospel you yeah. know, as they get it in the home. And that's why you can't sleep on the home. That's right. You know, God so has important. established the family to do this type of work. Absolutely. You know, and like you said before, you know, when we look at, you know, uh, it's good for us and it's good for the mission field. But man, at home with our children, it, it's, it's good there as well. And it's amazing. I mean, that's the second plank. Yes. Like that's, that is you the second plank. That. Like you can't skip over that. You, you, you almost kind of um, have to hurt yourself to leap <laughs> over that piece. Yeah. And the Lord has so seamlessly woven that piece into our understanding of how the gospel spreads. Mm-hmm. So you fast forward in Acts chapter 16, mm-hmm. you've got the Philippian jailer. Um, what happens? You've got Paul and Silas, they're in prison, they're praying and singing praises and there's a great earthquake, right? The prison is shaken Mm -hmm. and it's open and Mm -hmm. the Philippian jailer comes in there to take his life because he automatically assumes that the prisoners are gone. Yeah. And Paul is like, don't hurt yourself. We're here. Right. And the Philippian jailer is like, okay, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) Because not only the testimony of these men and the fact that they were in here singing praises to the Lord, right? Speaking of this great God, not only do they 
are they singing and living this? But now when they have the opportunity to escape, they stay, mm. they wait. Okay, so hold on a second. I need to know more about this, God. Mm. What must I do to have what you have? And so I pick up with that. This is um, Acts chapter 16, mm-hmm. um, verse 28. But Paul cried out in a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Wait a minute. Mm. <laughs> Wait, this is not salvation by extension. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. And, how, and how do we know this? Because the Bible actually continues on. Verse 32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Mm. So again, not salvation by extension. Like this is not, yeah, you get the gospel and then, you know, it's going to cover your kids. No, they're going to hear. They are going to hear the truth. And then verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once. He and all his family. Right. So they came to the Lord and they were all baptized. (laughs) Guys, this is so obvious. Yeah. The importance of the family the intactness, if you will, of the marriage, the marital union that God has given, there's so much more to it than how to have a better marriage. Mm. Like those things are great. How to talk to your spouse. Those things are great. We need all of those things. Yeah. But if we could also understand and embrace the wisdom of God and the proliferation of the gospel through the family unit, I think that might be a stronger ground upon which we fight yeah. because we say, man, I don't want to lose my kids. Like, let's let's think about this. And, mm-hmm. and I want to handle this very carefully. But when when we have systems of brokenness, like we have a, a marital union that's broken. Yeah. And and let's say, you know, you've got a Christian side and a non-Christian side, yeah. you know, so often has been the case. Mm-hmm. You've got now kids who are torn between two different family structures, mm. two different contexts where the gospel is upheld in one context. We hear right. about it all the time. Right. The gospel is upheld in one context and in the other context it isn't. <laughs> and so you've got a great conflict either coming from the father or coming from the mom who says, mm-hmm. I don't know how to compete with that. Yeah. This to me is a modern example of what God says he was seeking to avoid. Mm. Do you understand where you now are worried about whether or not your offspring will be godly because of the brokenness? And I understand there's so many reasons. I don't want anyone to feel condemned or to feel like I'm beating them up with this. But I will say this as one having come from a broken home. One of the things I appreciated was my father made the decision to leave my mom. But Mm. one of the things I appreciated was that my mom never moved the goal. Mm. Marriage was always good and right and true and holy. And why was she able to say this even though her marriage had failed? Because she was going back to the biblical standard, not her standard. Right. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because when we miss it, we don't move the mark. Mm. We don't say, well, yeah, that's not for today. No, it's still for today. God in his infinite wisdom has given us marriage that the gospel would proliferate to our children and then by God's grace to their children. Amen. Amen. Well, man. This has been awesome. And I hope that families are strengthened uh, to carry out 
the gospel mandate within the home. Amen. I, I hope that's uh, what you get from this. Well, thank you for listening to By Design. Man, and we appreciate, you know, all the families, all the, the, the children even that may listen to this uh, broadcast. And one man, one woman for life. And that's, by, that's God's design. And that's the way that we should live by his design. Amen.